This is Carol Foster of 2 Timothy 2.15 Resources, and I am so excited that you're going to join me today as we study God's Word. The response New Messianic believers give when asked why they initially visited a Messianic congregation is, we knew there had to be more. As we study together, we will begin to see that yes, indeed, there has to be more. For additional study aids to assist you in studying along with us, go to our website, sectim.org. In our last session, we were talking about covenant and righteousness. We were addressing the name of Jehovah Tiskanu, or Jehovah, the Lord, is our righteousness. My husband Doug and I had been talking, and we had a conversation regarding the covenant and the righteousness. One of the things that we found was that covenant runs throughout the word, beginning in Genesis 3 and running all the way through Revelation. So that's what we want to kind of discuss today, is the covenant and where it, um, how it addresses, how it relates to us as believers today. So many people think that there is a new covenant that does away with everything. And as we found in our studies, covenants never go away. It's one covenant, it may be amended, it may be added to, but it never goes away. Well, and I think when you use the word amended, that means something is changing in it. And we don't see the covenant change. Correct. It's added to would be a better Correct. word. Correct. And we talked about it being a progressive revelation. Uh, Yeshua in our lives is a progressive revelation. We don't get all of it at once. We would implode if we were to, to get every single nuance of our belief, our salvation, and our walk the minute we accepted him. Well, I don't think we'll ever get the full, uh, the full information on that. I think the angels who have been with him forever are still learning. I don't see how we can be any better than they are. Well, actually, I believe that we're going to be sitting at his feet during the millennium and still learning. Oh, absolutely, and even after that. Let's, let's look at the covenants. There are a total of seven covenants in the Word. Now, we as Messianic, when we say Tanakh, we're really talking about from Genesis all the way through Revelation. But most people, when they hear the Tanakh, they think of it as the first five books of the Bible, or the Pentateuch. But for our purposes, we're going to look at the Tanakh today as from as the Old Testament. So, in the totality of the Word, there's seven different covenants. But I really want to talk about four today. And I think that's the ones that most people are aware of. The first covenant was given to Adam and Eve in the garden when uh, Hasatan or Satan lured Eve into eating the fruit and then Eve gave the fruit to Adam and he ate there was a break in relationship before then they were clothed with light there was no uh, embarrassment they were naked and they didn't care they walked and talked with the Lord and once that happened once that sin or disobedience came into their lives, that relationship was broken. That's when the Lord covered them with animal skins. That was actually probably the first animal sacrifice. Well, and it was sacrifice for sin. Absolutely. I don't think people really realize that, that something had to die. Absolutely. 
but we read in Genesis 3.15 that Jehovah was talking to Adam and Eve. And he said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And he was addressing Hasatan. And between thy seed and her seed. He shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, we need to remember that this is a covenant. It's a promise. He's talking about seed. And the woman's seed we see here today. I mean, I'm looking at you and you're a human and you're looking at me and I'm a human and that's Eve's and Adam and Eve's seed. Well, also Hasatan has a seed. And that's present in the world today. I think that's something that most people overlook is that Hasatan has a seed and that seed we've got to watch out for. Absolutely, absolutely. But the promise was that they would um, have a seed or a child that would bruise Satan's head while Satan bruised uh, the seed's heel. And we actually see this come true in Yeshua because he was the seed of Adam and Eve, a man, a human, all human, and Satan did bruise his heel. But Yeshua overcame and will eventually totally overcome Hasatan. But this is a promise, this is a covenant. Yes, that's, that's what we have to stand on. We have to look at every aspect of what is written in the Word and see what that covenant has to do with us today. We are living for the return of Yeshua when He will bruise Hasatan's head. One of the things I always tell my students is that the Word applies to our lives today. Absolutely. And when it's addressing the believer in the Word or someone who is following Yeshua, if unless it has an asterisk beside it, and down at the bottom of the page it says, if this includes everybody in the world except Carol Foster, then it applies to me. Because the word according to 2 Timothy 3.16 is applicable for us today. Yeah, the whole, whole book is applicable today. It's, it's interesting because since you brought that up, we need to look at it as what it is. It's a whole book. One book. Not two separate ones. Not 66 books. It's one book. One book with 66 chapters. And how is a book normally written? It's written with the instructions up front and the enhancements towards the end. Well, the Bible is no different. The instructions are up towards the front, and those are what is critical for us to get to the back part, which is the enhancements. I always look at it as trying to put something together. And the first thing you do is identify the parts. Yep. And then you look at the sections. And the final thing is the completed the completed task. And that's what we see in Revelation. In Genesis, or the bare sheet, the first thing we see is we see and identify the the parts. And as we continue, those parts are filled in, uh, given more flesh, etc. And the final chapter is victory. And I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier. If we were given the whole thing at one time, we would implode. We need to learn little by little. And and God takes his word. And yes, he's given us the Bible. 
but he takes his word and he does personal revelation to us little bit at a time to whatever each we can take as individuals. It would be very difficult to understand and comprehend if God would reveal everything that to a believer in the beginning that a believer has learned and revealed through the Holy Spirit after 30 years of walking with God. Oh, it would be mind-blowing. The next covenant I want to look at is the Noah covenant. Now, this covenant, of course, was made with Noah and his family. The world was so evil that Noah was, it was stated that Noah was the only blameless man in his time. He was righteous. And God actually wiped out every other living thing other than Noah and his family and the animals that he had been uh, instructed to collect. He started again. And when he started again, we see something very interesting here. We know that there was a sin done against Noah. And because of that, some of his sons were blessed and one was cursed. Well, if we look at this, it says, Well, cursed be Canaan, the servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be Jehovah, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. Let God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. Well, we know that Canaan was cursed because of what happened. But the interesting point here is that Shem, his descendants went on to be the Hebraic people, or the Jews. Japheth, his people went on to be the Gentiles. And it seems like they kind of migrated towards what we now consider Europe, that area, Rome, and so forth. Well, this is telling us that God had a plan, even at this time, that the Gentiles should dwell in the tents of the Jews. What does that mean? That means that we'll become part of the family. That means that we'll be brought in, live under their rules, live under their promises, live under their blessings, and be just like part of the family. In this case, God's family. One of the things that I forgot to mention about the Adamic Covenant is that the only thing that they were told to do, they were told to tend the garden, they were told to uh, actually rule over the, the earth, but they were told to be fruitful and multiply. They were to fill the earth. And that's one of the things that we see again then with the Noahic Covenant is after the flood, they were told by God that they then were to be fruitful and to multiply. These are the same instructions that God had given Adam and Eve. It was a covenant that they had made. He didn't change it. He just added to it. He said that, uh, again, be fruitful and multiply. But he, he broadened the scope. 
and I think we'll find that as we go on through all of them, he never takes away part of the covenant, but he does enhance it. Absolutely. He just refreshes it. And that word new in the Hebraic language can mean refreshed or renewed, not necessarily just new. One of the other things I think that we need to look at with Noah is that he was obedient. As far as he knew, as far as it had been revealed to him, he was faithful and obedient to Jehovah. One of the things I want us to address about covenant is that a covenant is a contract. It's a contract between two individuals. One of the individuals is in a higher position than the other one. The contract is initiated by the person in the higher position and it is given to the person in the lower position without any kind of reciprocal. The person in the lower position does not have to reciprocate. He doesn't have to do anything. In many cases, cannot. Right, well, absolutely. But the action is all done by the person in the higher position. Yeah, we can we can see that, and I, I take a little bit of exception with your word of, of contract because today many people have started to look at contracts as something that can be broken, but a covenant cannot be broken. Well, and you're absolutely right. A covenant, and there's really three different types of covenants mentioned in the word, but the covenant that we're talking about is. It's something that cannot be broken. And if it is, there are severe ramifications. May it be unto you as unto these animals. As we see, big covenant was made with Abraham. I think that's not necessarily the big covenant. I think it's the covenant that most people realize and recognize. It's... I say big because it's the one that really demonstrates the full impact of what a covenant is. It also requires something to remain also, in contract or remain in covenant with the with Jehovah. There was two things it required. First, faith right. and trust that he is who he said he is and will do what he said he will do. And the other is circumcision. True. But the covenant was an interesting thing in that he was put to sleep. And he saw two objects, I'm going to say, a smoking pot and a furnace. The smoking pot and the furnace did the actual covenant walk. And what a covenant walk is, and this is where it becomes interesting, is there is a preparation done where an animal or animals are split in half and laid side by side. And the participants in the covenant do kind of a figure eight, figure eight walk around them, or through them, and through the blood, with the stipulation, may it be done unto me as these animals if I break the covenant. Well, guess what? God knew at that time that man could never, ever keep the covenant. So Yeshua walked in man's place. And therefore, when man broke 
is part of the covenant. The price had to be paid. Blood had to be spilled. Blood had to be spilled. I think it's also very interesting to know that it was done by uh, Yeshua. Yes. He did do the walk. And the reason for that was it was known before the foundation of the earth that man would not be able to keep the covenant. So when we see that the covenant was broken, and you and I are breaking the covenant today, there's no way that we can can be sinless. There's no way in our own right we can be righteous in our own stead at all. So someone had to pay that price. Someone had to shed their blood. Someone had to die. And that's one of the reasons on the cross, Yeshua said, it is finished. The price had been paid. Yes. And just to back up your statement, it's if we look at uh, Rabbi Shaol or Paul, his big statement was, as he went down the line, I am a sinner. I am the greatest sinner. I am the chief of all sinners. And yet, who is our example next to Yeshua? It's Rabbi Shaul. And I say next to Yeshua because Yeshua was sinless. You know, uh, something really interesting about that statement is he was all man. Yes, he was. So he was tempted. It says he was tempted in every way that we are today. Yes. And he could have sinned. But he did not. Correct. He did not. So we have an example in that as well. One of the other things I wanted to mention about the Abrahamic covenant is that he was given two uh, statements. First, that your descendants will be more than the stars in the heaven and the sand on the seashore. Now, that's definitely another view of be fruitful and multiply. Amen. The other statement was, through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And we see that because Yeshua came from the lineage of Abraham. And that's through very, David. Yes, and that's very interesting because, again, it's pointing out that this is not just for the Jews, but it's all the nations of the earth. How often do the Jews exclude the Gentiles or the Gentiles exclude the Jews? And nobody is excluded. And that's from the very beginning. And that's from the very beginning. But again, we see that God never changes. Amen. Nor does his word change. And we see that, again, God did not change his covenant. He renewed it. He refreshed it. He added to it. Just as we see in cultural anthropology that a, a tribe or a nation starts with one person then that expands to include his family. Then that expands to include his village. And on and on and on until it becomes a nation. Well, that's the exact same thing here. He started with Adam, and he restarted with Noah. 
But then now we see the promise coming to Avraham as the nation. So he's actually restarting with Avraham. He restarted in a uh, single direction in Avraham. He really did. So we see the consistency of the covenant. The covenant does not change. It's being refreshed. Now the, the final covenant I want us to look at is the Mosaic Covenant. And I think people are very familiar with that, of course, is Moshe or Moses. Right. The one thing I don't think people are familiar with, though, is how it came about. They all think, well, this covenant came when the Torah was given to the Jews at Mount Sinai. They fail to read the word. If they read the word, it's very clear that out of Egypt, Moshe brought a mixed multitude. People from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And this was possible because Egypt at that time was the largest and most powerful nation in the world. And they had slaves from every nation. Right. So all the nations and all the languages at that time were uh, included. Correct. And people just overlook that. When they got to Mount Sinai, they were referred to as a mixed multitude. And the word there is Erev. And I'll get to that in a second. But what we look at, once they got to Mount Sinai, once they said, we will obey and hear, the Hebrew word is Shema. They were never again referred to as a mixed multitude. It was all God's people. And that actually occurred when Moshe came down the mountain and read the Correct. instructions or the Torah. That's another misconception. Is Torah does not mean law. It means instructions. Correct. He read the instructions from God to the people. And they all together replied, Shema. We will obey and hear, which is a uh, twist on the difference between the Hebraic and the Greek mindset. Now, we in the Western world are Greek mindset people. We think that there's a beginning and there's an end, and that's all there is to it. And if you ask somebody to do something, they'll say, well, you explain it to me so that I understand it, then I will do it. Whereas the Hebraic mindset is that if you, if I do it, I will then learn to understand it. Yes, exactly. Uh, in, the, in the Jewish mindset, God comes first. So we also need to look at the word Erev that I was alluding to. That means woven together. And it was put in the word for a reason to show that God wants to weave people together to make a coat of many colors which will glorify him I know that you've mentioned before that in looking at that you've got the woof and the waff and one goes uh, linear correct and one goes Vertical. vertical so what happens then is if you take the Jewish nation or the the uh, Torah as the waft 
and you take the Ruach, which is the Holy Spirit, as the... I keep getting them mixed up. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, one's one way and one's the other way. Right. And without, bo- without one of them, the cloth would not stand. Actually, the, whole, the Ruach puts it together. The wolf is the Gentile. The waf is the Hebraic. We'll and have to continue this, our discussion in our next session. So thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today as we delved into the beautiful truths of God's Word to indeed discover that there has to be more. I pray that the Word applied to your daily life will bring a deeper understanding of His love letter written just to you. Let me remind you that we have additional study aids to assist you with our studies together on our website, sectim.org. May this day fill you with the love of God, joy, and shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken in your life.